Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 69th program in this series. In this program, I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, and I would like to spend a little bit more time speaking about verse 31 with reference to the ruler of this world being cast out. And the reason why he was cast out was because of what Jesus was about to do, and that had to do with forgiveness. Jesus was about to die on the cross. That's what he speaks about in the following two verses. In verse 32, And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Through his death, he provided the means of forgiveness. And with forgiveness, he is now able to draw people to himself because he has something to offer. He can offer a solution to the problem that exists between man and God. The problem has to do with sin. It also has to do with the spiritual death of humanity that took place in the Garden of Eden through the rebellion of Adam and Eve. So Jesus made the provision through which salvation could take place, salvation being the restoration of life, and it is forgiveness that makes this possible. The reason why is because when the Holy Spirit of God is restored to humanity so that we are made alive through the indwelling presence of the life of God, we are made alive. Well, what would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from a person is sin. According to the law, the wages of sin is death. And in this context, it would be spiritual death, such that when you sinned, the Holy Spirit would depart from within you. But because of the forgiveness that Jesus provided, that was a kind of forgiveness such that there is no sin left unforgiven. So the Holy Spirit will never depart from within an individual, and that is the gospel. That is the good news. The good news is the solution to the bad news. The bad news was sin and death. The good news is forgiveness and the restoration of life. Jesus speaks about his death here in John chapter 12, and in verse 31, he mentions one of the consequences related to the forgiveness that he provides. One of the consequences, one of the side effects, is that the ruler of this world will be cast out. And he's referring to the devil, Satan. He will be cast out. Cast out of where? He's going to continue to be in the world. He has been in the world. He's been continuing to function in the world just fine. What did it mean for him to be cast out? It meant that he would no longer have access 
to the throne of God. That's effectively what it means. And the reason why is because there would be no reason for him to be there. When it comes to this topic, I like to refer to the book of Job. And so I'm going to read from the book of Job in order to describe this situation. In Job chapter 1, and I'll start in verse 6, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? around his household and around all that he has on every side, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. This is a conversation that's taking place between Satan and God in God's kingdom before his throne. Satan tells God, hey, listen, you know, the only reason why Job really likes you is because you bless him. But if you were to take away those things that he has, oh, you know, he'll curse you to your face. And so the remainder of this book has to do with what happens when God goes ahead and gives Satan the freedom to intervene in Job's life and to cause a lot of destruction and pain and suffering. Will Job... Curse God. Will he do it? All that God does is get out of the way and he removes his protection from Job that he was giving him in this sense so that Satan can invade in the life of Job and cause some serious problems. But what I would like you to see in this conversation as it relates to John chapter 12 is that Satan has access to God And one of the ways that Satan relates to God and the people here on earth is he is an accuser. He is a person who speaks negatively about you. He tells God, well, you know, you're not so impressive and you're not so good and you don't really believe in God as much as you might be able to. Or he might say something like the only reason why you like God is because God has blessed you in various ways. And if God didn't do that, then you wouldn't want to have anything to do with him at all. And so this is one of the ways that Satan involves himself in our lives and in the life of God. And one of the topics of discussion between him and God, he is an accuser who speaks against us. He will tell God about our sin And in a sense, demand or declare that there should be some judgment that should be executed against us because we are not perfect, because we commit sin. And if we claim to believe in the living God, well, then our lives should be a proper reflection of that. But because our lives are not a proper reflection of that, 
and our lives are not perfect and we do engage in sin, then we fall within the domain of the devil. We fall within his domain. He is our ruler, not God. If God was our ruler, then we wouldn't be doing these things. And so this is a way for Satan to assert his authority over us, to assert his superiority over God. This is a way of understanding the relationship that has existed between Satan and God in this form of competition, competition over us to be either the people of Satan or the people of God. When God provided for forgiveness, everything changed. Everything changed because there is nothing that Satan can speak about before God concerning us that would make a difference. What's he going to say? He's going to say, these people are evil or this person has sinned. And the response will be, yes, that is true. But forgiveness has already been provided. So don't bother me with this anymore. There's nothing more to talk about. The sin issue between us and our God, between the people of this world and God came to an end. He ended it. Therefore, there is no reason for Satan to be in God's presence anymore to speak about the people in the world. There's no reason for him to be there. There's nothing to talk about anymore. It's all been forgiven. So there is no reason For Satan to have access to God anymore, he will effectively be cast out from the kingdom of heaven because the sin issue came to an end. There's no reason for him to be there anymore, so he doesn't go there anymore. He's not allowed to be there anymore. There is nothing that he can say that will have any importance or any significance to God at all. Now, even though everyone has been forgiven, that doesn't mean that everyone is saved. There are a lot of people who genuinely believe that salvation has to do with getting your sins forgiven. But like I explained a little bit earlier, getting your sins forgiven makes salvation possible if you define salvation as the restoration of the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they died. That death was the absence of life. And in this case, it is the absence of the life of God, also known as the Holy Spirit. So for there to be salvation, this life needs to be restored. Everyone has been forgiven, but not everyone has been saved. You will be saved when you surrender to the forgiveness that God has provided, and you surrender to the new covenant that God has established, when you surrender to the relationship that he has defined, and you are willing to accept the giving of the Holy Spirit of God to make you spiritually alive, this is part of what it means to be born again into a child of God. If you will surrender to this covenant that he has established, then you will be born again, you will be a child of God, and you will be saved. And you will be able to have a new relationship with Him because your sins are no longer held against you. 
Now, instead of receiving blessings as Job received in the flesh, now you can receive the blessings of the Spirit, the inheritance that you can receive as a result of the death of God. The inheritance is what you live by now. The inheritance in Christ are those things that you have received that are what you have received as a result of the invocation of the will of God. The will of God is the description of the inheritance that you have received as a result of his death. This is explained in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. And the inheritance has to do with all that you need for life and godliness. And all that you need has to do with all that God gives you through his spirit, through his presence, through his dwelling within you. He gives you his love. He gives you his acceptance. He gives you discernment and understanding. He gives you a lot, but this is where we usually start. We usually start with love and acceptance and understanding that this is what he gives to you as an inheritance because he died for you, as the Lord Jesus explains here in John chapter 12, which invokes the will of God as the description of an inheritance that you have received as a result of his death and as a result of him making you a child of God through being born again by the Spirit. That's what happens with salvation. So when Jesus executes forgiveness and the sin issue is over, the devil no longer has a place in our lives. He no longer has a place in our lives in the sense that there is no longer anything for him and God to speak about. However, we can certainly be deceived by the devil. We can listen to him. We can believe the things that he believes and that he communicates to us. He may have no access to God, but he still has lots of access to you. And so he can continue to be a ruler over you. He can continue to function as God or as a God in your life. He can continue to function as if he is God in your life because he can reveal things to you, share things with you, speak to you, either directly through one of his demons or through somebody who is totally deceived or maybe even partially deceived, and they teach you those things that are not true, and you believe those things from other people who believe things that are not true. And so the devil's role in our lives can certainly continue, but this doesn't mean that our God holds our sins against us. So the ruler can be cast out of the kingdom of heaven, but he can still be in your life. He can still be very much involved in your life. The way that you remove the devil from your life is by rejecting those things that are not true and embracing those things that are. The more you do that, the less the devil will have a place in your life. 
So again, in verse 31, John chapter 12, verse 31, now this is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. Now the people were listening to him saying this, and they were very concerned because they had a belief about who the Messiah should be and what he should do. The people answered him in verse 34. This is John chapter 12, verse 34. The people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Well, the phrase the Son of Man has its history in the Scriptures, and this is another phrase that describes the Messiah. And they are correct that the Messiah would be there forever. They are correct with regards to this. Their confusion has to do with the physical life that they expect the Messiah to have. They expect that the Messiah will be physically present and physically present forever. But the physical world is not eternal. This world that we are in right now will not last forever. We are on a planet. The planet is rotating. It is spinning. But it is not going to rotate and spin forever. We are warmed by the sun in our solar system. But this is not going to go on forever. We, as people, will only live so many years. You are going to physically die. You are not going to be alive physically forever. The only eternal experience is an eternal experience in the spiritual dimension. Our spirits will continue to exist after our physical bodies finally expire and die. Our spiritual self will continue to live on in eternity. So there will be a forever. There will be an eternal experience. The people were confused and they were uncertain because they were thinking in terms of their physical life that they had here on this planet. They were not thinking big enough. They were not thinking in the spiritual dimension. So again, in verse 34, the people answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. He will remain forever. But that doesn't mean he's going to remain forever in the way that they expect him to remain. He will remain forever in the way that he has decided he will remain forever. And that is in the spiritual dimension not in the physical one that the people were thinking of. They go on and they say, And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Which means we don't know who this person is. We know about the Messiah from our point of view. The person you are describing, someone is going to physically die through crucifixion, just doesn't fit in the definition of the Messiah that we have. So who's the Son of Man, and what does that mean? They are totally confused. That's what they say. They say, we don't understand. We don't get it. 
And the reason why they didn't get it was because they had a framework, they had a belief, they had a definition for the Messiah that they believed, that they embraced, and Jesus was not going to fit into that definition. They have to let go of their belief, they have to let go of their definition. Whatever Jesus says will not fit into their definition, therefore, they can't understand because they want to hang on to, they want to keep this belief that is not true. And this is normal. This is common when a person embraces a belief that is not true. It will not be compatible with those things that are true. And because they are not compatible, you cannot create understanding by trying to merge the two together. You will have to accept one and reject the other. In this case, the people are going to reject what Jesus declares, and they're going to hang on to what they want to believe. So there really isn't anything Jesus can say. There is no explanation that he can give them concerning the truth until they are willing to let go of their preconceived ideas. They must let go of their belief concerning the Messiah, and embrace who the Messiah really is, who the Son of Man really is. They have to believe what Jesus is saying concerning who he is, who the Messiah is, who the Son of Man is, what he will accomplish, how he will accomplish it, and why. They have to believe enough of the truth that Jesus is conveying. But they have refused to believe him. So in verse 35, the next verse, this is Jesus' response. Then Jesus said to them, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, this does not mean that God just decided that they could not believe and they could not understand and that he blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts because he wanted to be sure that they wouldn't believe in him. That's not what it means. It means that because they held on to a certain belief, because they held on to that, when they were confronted with the truth, they rejected the truth. They refused to believe the truth. It was their decision. It was their response to his presence, 
to his revelation. He blinded them through his presence, through the truth that he spoke to them. He blinded them because it was not consistent with what they wanted. That was their reaction. That was their response to him presenting himself to them openly and honestly. And so there's only so much that he can say. And then he walked away. He left. He did his part, but the people did not do theirs. It was more important for them to believe the things that they were believing that weren't true. That was more important to them than to embrace the truth that Jesus was revealing and suffer the consequences from a social point of view that they would have to suffer if they were to believe Jesus. But that's what God wants. He wants people who want the truth more and will embrace the consequences they will endure for believing the truth. He wants people who desire the truth more than what they have in the world and what they could lose in the world from a social and societal point of view if they were to embrace the truth. Thank you for listening. This is the 69th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 12, verses 31 to 41. In this program, I spent a little bit more time speaking about verse 31 when Jesus spoke about the devil, Satan, the ruler of this world, being cast out. I spent some time giving an explanation with regards to what that meant. And then in the following verses, I explained why Jesus did not give an explanation to the people about who the Son of Man is and why he would be lifted up and that he would remain here forever. He just wouldn't do so in the way that they wanted him to remain here forever. He did not give them an explanation because they did not believe other things that he told them. Even with the testimony of God speaking from the heavens, they still would not believe Jesus. And I will continue with John chapter 12 in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you